section thirty nine of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty seven jaques there is sui another flood toward and these couples are coming to the ark here comes a pair of very strange beasts as you like it the fashion of such narratives as the present changes like other earthly things time was that the tale-teller was obliged to wind up his story by a circumstantial description of the wedding bedding and throwing the stocking as the grand catastrophe to which through so many circumstances of doubt and difficulty he had at length happily conducted his hero and heroine not a circumstance was then omitted from the manly ardour of the bridegroom and the modest blushes of the bride to the parson's new surplice and the silk tabinet mantua of the bridesmaid but such descriptions are now discarded for the same reason i suppose that public marriages are no longer fashionable and that instead of calling together their friends to a feast and a dance the happy couple elope in a solitary post-chaise as secretly as if they meant to go to gretna green or to do worse i am not ungrateful for a change which saves an author the trouble of attempting in vain to give a new colour to the commonplace description of such matters but notwithstanding i find myself forced upon it in the present instance as circumstances sometimes compel a stranger to make use of an old road which has been for some time shut up the experienced reader may have already remarked that the last chapter was employed in sweeping out of the way all the unnecessary and less interesting characters that i might clear the floor for a blithe bridal in truth it would be unpardonable to pass over slightly what so deeply interested our principal personage king james that learned and good-humoured monarch made no great figure in the politics of europe but then to make amends he was prodigiously busy when he could find a fair opportunity of intermeddling with the private affairs of his loving subjects and the approaching marriage of lord glenvarlock was matter of great interest to him he had been much struck that is for him who was not very accessible to such emotions with the beauty and embarrassment of the pretty peg of ramsay as he called her when he first saw her and he glorified himself greatly on the acuteness which he had displayed in detecting her disguise and in carrying through the whole inquiry which took place in consequence of it he laboured for several weeks while the courtship was in progress with his own royal eyes so as well nigh to wear out he declared a pair of her father's best barnacles in searching through old books and documents for the purpose of establishing the bride's pretensions to a noble though remote descent and thereby remove the only objection which envy might conceive against the match in his own opinion at least he was eminently successful for when sir mungo malagrother one day in the presence chamber took upon him to grieve bitterly for the bride's lack of pedigree the monarch cut him short with ye may save your grief for your ain next occasion sir mungo for by our royal saul we will uphold her father davy ramsay to be a gentleman of nine descents waste great good sire came of the old martial stock of the house of dalwolsey than whom better men never did and better never will draw sword for king and country heard ye never of sir william ramsay of dalwolsey man of whom john fordune saith he was bellicosimus 
noblissimus his castle stands to witness for itself not three miles from dalkeith man and within a mile of bannockrig davy ramsay came of that old and honoured stock and i trust he hath not derogated from his ancestors by his present craft they all wrought with steel man only the old knights drilled holes with their swords in their enemies corslets and he saws nicks in his brass wheels and i hope it is as honourable to give eyes to the blind as to slash them out of the head of those that see and to show us how to value our time as it passes as to fling it away in drinking brawling spear splintering and such like unchristian doings and you mon understand that davy ramsay is no mechanic but follows a liberal art which approacheth almost to the act of creating a living being seeing it may be said of a watch as claudius saith of the sphere of archimedes the syracusan inclusus varius famulatur spiritus astris et vivum certus motibus ergit opus your majesty had best give old davy a coat of arms as well as a pedigree said sir mungo it's done or ye bade sir mungo said the king and i trust we who are the fountain of all earthly honour are free to spirit a few drops of it on one so near our person without offence to the knight of castle gurnigo we have already spoken with the learned men of the herald's college and we propose to grant him an augmented coat of arms being his paternal coat charged with the crown wheel of a watch in chief for a difference and we propose to add time and eternity for supporters as soon as the garter king at arms shall be able to devise how eternity is to be represented i would make him twice as muckle as time said archie armstrong the court fool who chanced to be present when the king stated this dilemma peace man ye shall be whippet said the king in return for this hint and you my liege subjects of england may we'll take a hint from what we have said and not be in such a hurry to laugh at our scottish pedigrees though they be somewhat long derived and difficult to be deduced ye see that a man of right gentle blood may for a season lay by his gentry and yet can where to find it when he has occasion for it it would be as unseemly for a packman or peddler as ye call a travelling merchant wilk is a trade to which our native subjects of scotland are specially addicted to be blazing his genealogy in the faces of those to whom he sells a bawbee's worth of ribbon as it would be to him to have a beaver on his head and a rapier by his side when the pack was on his shoulders na na he hings his sword on the cleek lays his beaver on the shelf puts his pedigree into his pocket and gangs as doosly and cannily about his peddling craft as if his blood was nay better than ditch water but let our peddler be transformed as i have kenned it happen mare then ain'ts into a bee and thriving merchant then ye shall have a transformation my lords in noah fert animus mutatis tickery formus out he pulls his pedigree on he buckles his sword gives his beaver a brush and cocks it in the face of all creation we mention these things at the mere length because we would have you all to know that it is not without due consideration of the circumstances of all parties that we design in a small and private way to honour with our own royal presence the marriage of lord glendarlock with margaret ramsay daughter and heiress of david ramsay our horologer and a cadet only thrice removed from the ancient house of dal wolsey we are grieved we cannot have the presence of the noble chief of that house at the ceremony but where there is honour to be won abroad the lord dal wolsey is seldom to be found at home sic fuit est et erit jingling geordie as ye stand to the cost of the marriage feast we look for good cheer harriet bowed as in duty bound in fact the king 
who was a great politician about trifles had manoeuvred greatly on this occasion and had contrived to get the prince and buckingham dispatched on an expedition to newmarket in order that he might find an opportunity in their absence of indulging himself in his own gossiping koshering habits which were distasteful to charles whose temper inclined to formality and with which even the favourite of late had not thought it worth while to seem to sympathise when the levy was dismissed sir mungo malagrother seized upon the worthy citizen in the courtyard of the palace and detained him in spite of all his efforts for the purpose of subjecting him to the following scrutiny this is a sair job on you master george the king must have had little consideration this will cost you a bonny penny this wedding dinner it will not break me sir mungo answered harriet the king hath the right to see the table which his bounty hath supplied for years well covered for a single day very true very true we'll have a to pay i doubt lesser mare a sort of penny wedding it will prove where all men contribute to the young folks maintenance that they may not have just four bare legs in a bed together what do you propose to give master george we begin with the city when money is in question only a trifle sir mungo i give my goddaughter the marriage ring it is a curious jewel but i bought it in italy it belonged to cosma de medici the bride will not need my help she has an estate which belonged to her maternal grandfather the old soap boiler said sir mungo it will need some of his suds to scour the blot out of the glenvarlock shield i have heard that estate was no great things it is as good as some posts at court sir mungo which are coveted by persons of high quality replied george harriet court favour said he court favour master harriet replied sir mungo choosing then to use his malady of misapprehension moonshine and water poor thing if that is all she is to be tokered with i am truly solicitous about them i will let you into a secret said the citizen which will relieve your tender anxiety the dowager lady dalgarno gives a competent fortune to the bride and settles the rest of her estate upon her nephew the bridegroom ay say ye say said sir mungo just to show her regard to her husband that is in the tomb lucky that her nephew did not send him there it was a strange story that death of poor lord dalgarno some folk think the poor gentleman had much wrong little good comes of marrying the daughter of the house you are feud with indeed it was less poor dalgarno's fault than theirs that forced the match on him but i am glad the young folk are to have something to live on come how it like whether by charity or inheritance but if the lady dalgarno were to sell all she has even to her very wily coat she canna gee then back the fair castle of glenvarlock that is lost in gain lost in gain it is but too true said george harriet we cannot discover what has become of the villain andrew scurly witter or what lord dalgarno has done with the mortgage i signed it away to some one that his wife might not get it after he was gain it would have disturbed him in his grave to think glenvarlock should get that land back again said sir mungo depend on it he will have taken sure measures to keep that noble lordship out of her grips or her nevoys either indeed it is but too probable sir mungo said master harriet but as i am obliged to go and look after many things in consequence of this ceremony i must leave you to comfort yourself with the reflection the bright day you say is to be on the thirtieth of the instant month said sir mungo hollowing after the citizen i will be with you in the hour of cause the king invites the guests said george harriet without turning back the base-born ill-bred mechanic soliloquized sir mungo if it were not the odd score of pounds he lent me last week i would teach him how to bear himself to a man of quality but i will be at the bridal banquet in spite of him sir mungo contrived to get invited or commanded to attend on the bridal accordingly at which there were but few 
persons present for james on such occasions preferred a snug privacy which gave him liberty to lay aside the encumbrance as he felt it to be of his regal dignity the company was very small and indeed there were at least two persons absent whose presence might have been expected the first of these was the lady dalgarna the state of whose health as well as the recent death of her husband precluded her attendance on the ceremony the other absentee was richie manipoles whose conduct for some time past had been extremely mysterious regulating his attendance on lord glenvarlock entirely according to his own will and pleasure he had ever since the rencontre in on field chase appeared regularly at his bedside in the morning to assist him to dress and at his wardrobe in the evening the rest of the day he disposed of at his own pleasure without control from his lord who had now a complete establishment of attendance yet he was somewhat curious to know how the fellow disposed of so much of his time but on this subject ritchie showed no desire to be communicative on the morning of the bridal day ritchie was particularly attentive in doing all a valet de chambre could so as to set off to advantage the very handsome figure of his master and when he had arranged his dress to the utmost exactness and put to his long curled locks what he called the finishing touch of the reading cane he gravely kneeled down kissed his hand and bade him farewell saying that he humbly craved leave to discharge himself of his lordship's service why what humour is this said lord glenvarlock if you mean to discharge yourself of my service richie i suppose you intend to enter my wife's i wish your good ladyship that shall soon be and your good lordship the blessings of as good a servant as myself in heaven's good time said ritchie but fate has so ordained it that i can henceforth only be your servant in the way of friendly courtesy well ritchie said the young lord if you are tired of service we will seek some better provision for you but you will wait on me to the church and partake of the bridal dinner under favour my lord answered ritchie i must remind you of our covenant having presently some pressing business of my own wilk will detain me during the ceremony but i will not fail to pry master george's good cheer in respect he has made very costly fare wilk it would be unthankful not to partake of do as you list answered lord glenvarlock and having bestowed a passing thought on the whimsical and pragmatical disposition of his follower he dismissed the subject for others better suited to the day the reader must fancy the scattered flowers which strewed the path of the happy couple to church the loud music which accompanied the procession the marriage service performed by a bishop the king who met them at st paul's giving away the bride to the great relief of her father who had thus time during the ceremony to calculate the just quotient to be laid on the pinion of report in a timepiece which he was then putting together when the ceremony was finished the company were transported in the royal carriages to george harriet's where a splendid collation was provided for the marriage guests in the fold jam apartments the king no sooner found himself in this snug retreat than casting from him his sword and belt with such haste as if they burnt his fingers and flinging his plumed hat on the table as who should say lie there authority he swallowed a hearty cup of wine to the happiness of the married couple and began to amble about the room mumping laughing and cracking jests neither the wittiest nor the most delicate but accompanied and applauded by shouts of his own mirth in order to encourage that of the company whilst his majesty was in the midst of this gay humour and a call to the banquet was anxiously expected a servant whispered master harriet forth of the apartment when he re-entered he walked up to the king and in his turn whispered something at which james started he is not wanting his siller said the king shortly and sharply by no means my liege answered harriet it is a subject he states himself as quite indifferent about so long as it can pleasure your majesty body of us man said the king it is the speech of a true man and a loving subject and we will grace him accordingly what though he be but a carl a twopenny cat may look at a king swift man have him pundite forest manipoles 
they should have called the child moneypennies though i sell warrant you english think we have not such a name in scotland it is an ancient and honourable stock the moneypennies said sir munger malagrother the only losses there are say few of the name the family seems to increase among your countrymen sir mungo said master lowstolf whom lord glenmarlock had invited to be present since his majesty's happy accession brought so many of you here right sir right said sir mungo nodding and looking at george harriet there have some of ourselves been the better of that great blessing to the english nation as he spoke the door flew open and in entered to the astonishment of lord glenvarlock his late serving-man richie manipolis now sumptuously nay gorgeously attired in a superb brocaded suit and leading in his hand the tall thin withered somewhat distorted form of martha trap boys arrayed in a complete dress of black velvet which suited so strangely with the pallid and severe melancholy of her countenance that the king himself exclaimed in some perturbation what the deal has the fellow brought us here body of our regal sylphs it is a corpse that has run off with the mortcloth may i supplicate your majesty to be gracious unto her said ritchie being that she is in respect of this morning's work my ain wedded wife mrs martha manipolis by name soul of our body man but she looks wondrous grim answered king james art thou sure she has not been in her time maid of honour to queen mary our kinswoman of red-hot memory i am sure and it like your majesty that she has brought me fifty thousand pounds of good siller and better and that has enabled me to pleasure your majesty and other folk ye need have said naething about that man said the king we ken our obligations and that sma matter and we are glad this ruderous spouse of thine hath bestowed her treasure on ain wa kens to put it to the profit of his king and country but how the deal did you come by her man in the old scottish fashion my liege she is the captive of my bow and my spear answered manipolis there was a convention that she should wed me when i avenged her father's death so i slew and took possession it is the daughter of old traboys who has been missed so long said lowstoff where the devil could you mew her up so closely friend ritchie master richard if it be your will answered ritchie or master richard manipolis if you like it better for mewing of her up i found her a shelter in all honour and safety under the roof of an honest countryman of my own and for secrecy it was a point of prudence when wantons like you were abroad master lowstoff there was a laugh at ritchie's magnanimous reply on the part of every one but his bride who made to him a signal of impatience and said with her usual brevity and sternness peace peace i pray you peace let us do that which we came for so saying she took out a bundle of parchments and delivering them to lord glenvarlock she said aloud i take this royal presence and all here to witness that i restore the ransom lordship of glenvarlock to the right owner as free as ever it was held by any of his ancestors i witnessed the redemption of the mortgage said lowstolf but i little dreamt by whom it had been redeemed no need ye should said ritchie there would have been small wisdom in crying roast meat peace said his bride once more this paper she continued delivering another to lord glenvarlock is also your property take it but spare me the question how it came into my custody the king had bustled forward beside lord glenvarlock and fixing an eager eye on the writing exclaimed body of ourselves it is our royal sign manual for the money which was so long out of sight how came you by mistress bride it is a secret said martha dryly a secret which my tongue shall never utter said ritchie resolutely unless the king commands me on my allegiance i do i do command you said james trembling and stammering with the impatient curiosity of a gossip while sir mungo with more malicious anxiety to get at the bottom of the mystery stooped his long thin form forward like a bent fishing-rod raised his thin grey locks from his ear and curved his hand behind it to collect every vibration of the expected intelligence martha in the meantime frowned most ominously on ritchie who went on undauntedly to inform the king that his deceased father-in-law 
a good careful man in the main had a touch of worldly wisdom about him that at times marred the uprightness of his walk he liked to dabble among his neighbor's gear and some of it would at times stick to his fingers in the handling for shame man for shame said martha since the infamy of the deed must be told be it at least briefly yes my lord she added addressing glenvarlock the piece of gold was not the sole bait which brought the miserable old man to your chamber that dreadful night his object and he accomplished it was to purloin this paper the wretched scrivener was with him that morning and i doubt not urged the doting old man to this villainy to offer another bar to the ransom of your estate if there was a yet more powerful agent at the bottom of this conspiracy god forgive it to him at this moment for he is now where the crime must be answered amen said lord glenvarlock and it was echoed by all present for my father continued she with her stern features twitched by an involuntary and convulsive movement his guilt and folly cost him his life and my belief is constant that the wretch who counselled him that morning to purloin the paper left open the window for the entrance of the murderers everybody was silent for an instant the king was first to speak commanding search instantly to be made for the guilty scrivener i lictor he concluded collega manus capit abnupido infelici suspenditi arbori lostoff answered with due respect that the scrivener had absconded at the time of lord dalgarno's murder and had not been heard of since let him be sought for said the king and now let us change the discourse these stories make one's very blood grow and are altogether unfit for bridal festivity hymen o oh, hymene he added he snapping his fingers lord glenvarlock what say you to mistress manipolis this bonny bride that has brought you back your father's estate on your bridal day let him say nothing my liege said martha that will best suit his feelings and mine there is redemption money at the least to be repaid said lord glenvarlock in that i cannot remain debtor we will speak of it hereafter said martha my debtor you cannot be and she shut her mouth as if determined to say nothing more on the subject sir mungo however resolved not to part with the topic and availing himself of the freedom of the moment said to ritchie a queer story that of your father-in-law honest man methinks your bride thanked you little for ripping it up i make it a rule sir mungo replied ritchie always to speak any evil i know about my family myself having observed that if i do not it is sure to be told by either folks but ritchie said sir mungo it seems to me that this bride of yours is like to be master and mare in the conjugal state if she abides my words sir mungo answered ritchie i thank heaven i can be as deaf as any one and if she comes to dunce i have twey hands to pake her with weel said ritchie again said the king you have gotten it on baith habits sir mungo troth mistress bride for a fool your good man has a pretty turn of wit there are fools sire replied she who have wit and fools who have courage i and fools who have learning and are great fools would notwithstanding i chose this man because he was my protector when i was desolate and neither for his wit nor his wisdom he is truly honest and has a heart and hand that make amends for some folly since i was condemned to seek a protector through the world which is to me a wilderness i may thank god that i have come by no worse and that is say sensibly said replied the king that by my soul i'll try whether i cannot make him better kneel down ritchie somebody lend me a rapier yours mr langstaff that's a brave name for a lawyer ye need not flash it out that gate templar fashion as if ye were about to pink a bailiff he took the drawn sword and with averted eyes for it was a sight he loved not to look on endeavoured to lay it on ritchie's shoulder but nearly stuck it into his eye ritchie starting back attempted to rise but was held down by low stuff while mr munger guiding the royal weapon the honour bestowing blow was given and received sergey carnifex rise up sir richard manipolis of castle Colla, and my lords and lieges let us all to our dinner for the cockaliki is cooling End of chapter 
thirty seven end of fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott